Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. This is WOR in New York. E.G. Marshall. Welcome to the fear you can hear. Welcome to the sounds of suspense. It was the ill-fated Prince of Denmark, Hamlet, who lamented, The time is out of joint, O cursed spite, that ever I was born to set it right. Many people before and since have echoed the same cry of despair, but none with more compelling justice and reason than Ethan Vigil clock maker and destroyer. Ethan Vigil, for whom a special clock struck a magic and an evil hour. You got your box in. You'll move, Jake. No, don't rush me. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. God in heaven, Ethan, how can you stand that infernal racket? What racket? Oh, you mean the clock striking? <laughs> I don't even notice it anymore. Well, go ahead. What do you want to give up? No, no, no. Who can think of a chess move with all hell breaking loose? Now on, start our games after midnight. Have to drive a man stark, staring man. I swear to Sam Hill, Ethan, you deliver. The only two living things left in the room at that terrifying moment as time stood still. And that damnable machine. Our mystery drama, Time and Again, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Ian Martin and stars John Beale. It is sponsored in part by Anheuser Busch Incorporated, Brewers of Budweiser, and by the Kellogg Company, makers of Kellogg's Special K cereal. I'll return shortly with Act One. When you drink beer, do you tilt the glass for long, hearty swallows? Or just tip it and sip it? Well, sipping's the thing for wine. But Budweiser beer is a hearty drink, brewed for zest and character. The best way to enjoy Bud is to drink it. Not chug a lug, just man-sized beer drinker swallows. That's when that famous Budweiser taste, smoothness, and drinkability really come through. Smoothness and drinkability that come only from natural carbonation and exclusive beechwood aging. Smoothness and drinkability, too good for any half-hearted sipping. So drink up. You'll see that brewing beer right does make a difference. And that when you say Budweiser, you've said it all. Anheuser Bush, St. Louis. No matter what you say before, that's what suburban savings for suburban. Suburban Savings offers you a regular savings account with flexibility. You can add any amount to your account whenever you wish. Withdraw whenever you want. Suburban Savings pays a 5.25% annual interest rate on regular savings paid quarterly, which earns an annual effective yield of 5.47%. Interest is compounded continuously from day of deposit to day of withdrawal, as long as $50 is maintained in the account to the end of the quarter. Come into Suburban Savings and open an account with flexibility. Our regular savings account in New Jersey at Bayonne, Edgewater, Elmwood Park, Emerson, Hackettstown, Morris Plains, Nutley, Paramus, and Sparta. Few of us can resist the fascination of an auction, and I'm no different than most which is how and why I happen to possess this curious document which reveals a bone-chilling account 
of how many lives were lost so uncannily and eerily to the inhuman demands of what Eason Vigil called that damnable machine. The tale I'm about to tell... No. No, wait. If you can manage to decipher his cramped longhand, let Ethan Vigil confess for himself. I, Ethan Vigil, clockmaker by trade, am writing this in case, when the moment comes, I fail to destroy the hourglass clock. For if I fail, someone must destroy it. Kill it. End its ghastly existence before God knows how many innocent people will die to satisfy its insatiable thirst. The clock itself came into my possession more or less by accident. I was working late at my shop one night about a year ago when I heard it tapping on the closed glass door. Condemnation, some people can't read signs. Aren't fools like to break that glass? Stop that, can't you see them close? Hey, Governor, please, let me in. Oh, get on with you. You won't be sorry. Give me a chance. I'll give you the chance of a lifetime. Look. It was raining heavily, the water streaming down the glass, but the object he had drawn from the cover of his pea jacket drew my eyes like a magnet. It was a clock life of which I'd never seen. It was shaped like an hourglass, with a strange-appearing pendulum hanging in the lower half and the face in the upper half. And in the place of the figure 12, at the top of the face, was the numeral 13. I had to see that clock more closely. Oh, bless you, Governor. You're a lifesaver, you are. What do you want? Oh, I want you to have a look at this here clock. The clock is the only reason I let you in. I'd like to have a look at it myself. Let's take it over to the bed. You want this clock repaired? I want to sell it to you. It's what I want. I hope I don't regret this, but come on to my place in the back. There's a fire in there to dry you up a bit. Better back up to that fire. Where'd you get this clock? Why, it came into my possession when its owner died. Does it run? Well, no. That there clock, it doesn't run. I'd be the first to admit it. I'll give you $20. Oh, now, look. $20, take it or leave it. Well, I may be down and up, but I know a good thing when I see it. And I don't intend to be taken advantage of by somebody else. There doesn't seem to be any question of who's being taken advantage of. Harriet. Ethan. Who is this person? He's a customer, more or less. He's my sister-in-law. It's near on to midnight, and my poor sick sister is pining upstairs for her husband to bring her a little faith and consolation. Oh, now, Mom, I certainly am sorry to intrude on family problems. Then don't. Ethan, get rid of this man. You better go. But what about our business and the clock? $20 is all I have to my name. Oh, I'll take it. Don't you do it, Ethan. Oh, mind your own business for once, Harriet. I had little doubt my sailor, who called himself Harry Stubbs, had dubious title to that strange clock. But like all collectors, to own something totally and unreservedly unique is an overriding obsession. Is he gone? Yes. <sighs> oh, just look at this place after you had that... That derelict in here. Lights on all over the place, eating up money. To say nothing of good hard cash thrown away on that piece of junk on the table. It was my own money. What own money? You and Henrietta wouldn't even have a roof over your heads, let alone a piece of business, if it weren't for me. Oh, no, it's my money that keeps you going, and don't you forget it. Now, you lock the door to the shop. I still have some repairs left to do. You'll have to get up early tomorrow and do them. I just... I just wanted to have another look at this clock. Before. You'll waste no more time or light or fuel down here tonight. <laughs> it wasn't for good money paid out. I, I'd take that piece of junk on the table and dump it in the rubbish. How I wish she'd done just that. Let the city collect it with the morning trash and bury it forever. But fate hadn't planned it that way. So I went upstairs from Harriet to face another problem I didn't know how to solve. 
my ailing wife, Henrietta. Jason, is that you? Yes, Henrietta. Where have you been? Working, dear. Are you hurting? Oh, when don't I hurt? I know. How's your back? It isn't my back. It's my stomach, Ethan. I've been... I'm scared. I, I'm, I've been afraid to think of it, but I know, Harriet, sure, I've got... The, uh, the... No, no, none of that. You, you just get off to sleep. That's what you need. Well, you just don't know how it is to be suffering every blessed minute of every day. As I slipped under the covers and lay wide awake beside Henrietta, snoring away, my mind went back to the strange clock on the table downstairs. The intriguing mystery of a mechanism I had never even imagined in 40 years of clockmaking. And the enigma of why 13 replaced the numeral 12 on the face. All the next morning, between my infrequent customers, I puzzled and poked and tried to reveal the workings of this bizarre clock. But by one o'clock in the afternoon, when I was completely stymied, my wife surprised me by coming out to the bench in her bathroom. Henrietta, what's wrong? I've been calling for someone. Where's Harriet? Well, she went to Markham. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Oh, I've got those blinding headaches again. Could we send for Dr. Royce? Is that the old clock that Harriet told me you threw away hard-earned money on? It's a very valuable antique, an original. And it was my money. Does it run? No. And what good is it? It's worth $20 as it is, at least. In working condition, it could be priceless. Can you fix it? I don't know. Why not? Well, look at it, Henrietta. Have you ever seen anything like it? First of all, the hourglass shape of the case. What's inside? Well, that's the problem. Except for the two round glass windows. And they're not even glass. I don't know what they are. What window? And the one for the clock face in the upper cup, if you want to call it that. And the one in the lower inverted cup. Where you can see what looks like a pendulum. Oh, can't you shake it and get that to swing? Well, that doesn't seem to be the way it's activated. It's quite stationary. Funny, lopsided shape. Maybe it melted or something. Can't you get into the works? Well, only through this lid on the top. Now, look. That's all you can see of the works. Very old. Wooden gears, wooden pinions, wooden axles. No way to lift it out. I can't even get my hand in there to try. Well, let me. It's so silly. There must be some way to... Ow! What is it? Look what your silly old clock has done. What's the matter? My finger is bleeding. It... It felt like something bit me. Oh, come on, let me see. Why, <laughs> it's just a scratch. Scarcely drew blood. Just the same, I'm not taking any chances with that dirty old clock. I could end up with blood poisoning. I'm going to run this underwater. Now, you get me a bandage and some disinfectant. Right with you. I was suddenly aware that the clock was running. And its beat was the sound of the human heart. But Ethan didn't follow his wife right away because suddenly he had become conscious that the dead clock had come to life, that it had started to record time again, and that the sound of its beat was very different from all other clocks. It was a sound akin, if not completely similar, to the beat of the human heart. I shall return shortly with Act Two. And now another tale of the foreign chase. Presents the good, the bad, and the heavy. Why is that cowboy wearing a ball and chain? Because carrying around extra pounds could be just like carrying around a ball and chain. How symbolic. What would it be, senor? Give me the special K breakfast. Here you go. For a special K, it's the milk, orange juice, and coffee. Ah. Say, don't I know you from some place? You probably don't recognize me with my ball and chain. I used to be ten pounds lighter, but I'm getting back that way by exercising and eating smart at every meal. Starting with this here special K breakfast. What's so special? It's less than 240 calories. Calories, 99% fat-free and delicious. It's going to help me get rid of the cheer. Ball and chain. I bet your horse will be glad to get out. Another ball and chain. Fight the gut. 
your happy ending could begin with the Kellogg's Special K breakfast. That's Kellogg's Special K. That's right. Good night. This is WOR New York, your mystery theater station. Hey, Ma, what's for dinner? Hey, Ma, what you got? Hey, Ma, will it be much longer? My hunger gets stronger and I can't wait. She loves her family. She wants the best. She does all that she can do. She lets shop right to the rest. Hey, Ma. What's for dinner? How about Armor Canned Ham, three pound size, three ninety nine. Shoprite Grade A frozen green beans, nine ounce packages, six for a dollar. Shoprite Dairy Case Home Style Biscuits, eight ounce packages, five for forty nine cents. She loves the family. She wants the best. She does all that she can do. She lets Shoprite do the rest. Hey, Ma, what's for dinner? Whatever his wife had accidentally touched, the clock had begun to run and remained running steadily, without any sign of stopping. Ethan checked that Henrietta's wound was little more than a surface scratch and returned to observe... But let him tell his own story for himself as he wrote it in his confession. My examination of the clock as it ran made it even more of an enigma. Behind the face, beneath the lid, the gears I saw engage, second by second, operated the hands that told the time. What motivated them was obvious, the strange mass that I had supposed a pendulum weight, but which now, quite clearly, was a diaphragm or pump, opening and closing to create energy, in a motion like a human fist or... Yes, suddenly I knew why the irregular shape was familiar, like the human heart. But what in turn motivated that or fueled it was the ultimate mystery. Everything about this clock was different, exotic, strange. Even its chime for the hours, plaintive, plaintive, almost the sound of a human voice. I watched it irresistibly all day, all during the night while I waited for Dr. Jacob Royce to come and examine my wife. Even while I waited for the result of that examination. What the devil are you doing out here, Ethan? Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Jake. Just observing this clock. It's got me mesmerized. How's Henrietta? Oh, what am I going to tell you, Ethan? Same thing as usual. Yep. Not a trace of any physiological problem. Never is. Oh, there's a name for it if it's of any help. Chronic inadequate. Someone who just can't handle the simple process of life and has to make excuses for it. I'd better go up to her. Oh, there's no need. I gave her a sedative. Won't hurt her, but it might do you some good. Come on now. Let's play chess. Fire set us up out here, all right? With all those clocks rattling away. I want to keep my eye on this baby here. (laughs) If you can't sit up with one sick friend, you've got to sit up with another. And for the next 10 or 15 minutes, I did forget the clock that was to haunt the rest of my days. Inexorably, as we concentrated on the chessboard, all of the clocks ticked on towards 12 o'clock. And the moment when the explanation of that substitute number 13 was about to be made by the clock itself. Don't think much of your king's pawn variation, Jake. Got you boxed in. Your move. Uh, don't rush me. Don't rush me. I'm thinking. Good Lord, Ethan. How can you stand that infernal racket? Huh? What racket? Oh, I mean the clock striking. <laughs> I don't even notice them anymore. Huh? Go ahead. What do you want to give up? No. But who can think of a chess move with all hell breaking loose? From now on, we start our games after midnight. 
enough to drive a man stark, stare mad. I swear to Sam Hill, Ethan, you deliver. After the twelfth stroke of the hourglass clock's chime, there was no sound but the beat of the clock and my own heart. Everything else had stopped dead. My friend's mouth was frozen in the act of speaking. His hand poised over a chessman as though cast in bronze. Outside, like the old child's game, people had turned to statues. A car backing into a parking space was stopped in its tracks. The very raindrops hung motionless in the air like a spangled curtain. For everyone else in the world, save only me and that damnable clock, time was standing still. The next hour was a strange delirium. My brain raced with new ideas for achieving my lifelong dream, a perpetual motion timepiece. My legs were as supple and tireless as an 18-year-old's as I climbed the stairs to look at my wife, frozen in the act of turning in her sleep. My sister-in-law caught in the middle of a snore. Towards the end of the hour, I returned to the shop. A quick stab of terror prodding at me. Was this to be forever? Poor Jake. Still sat in the middle of the move he had started almost an hour ago. The hands of all the clocks pointed to exactly twelve. Except the hourglass. There, the small hand stood directly at thirteen. While the minute hand swept closer and closer to join it. With a sense of mounting excitement, I waited for their junction. Like the other clocks, my strange new one had only struck twelve before. Now I felt I knew the reason for thirteen. The extra magic hour of precious time that twice a day it offered to its owner. With bated breath, I waited for the proof. The missing chime. And then it came. Directly set us up here tonight to get me off my game. Ah, I concede. Don't you want some more time to think it over? Oh, it wouldn't matter if you gave me an hour to consider it. Tonight I'm too bush to think. Just one minute after twelve. We've only been at the game ten minutes or so, and I feel as if I've been here for seven days. Is it really only ten minutes? <laughs> You're the clockmaker, Ethan. Look all around you at your little markers. Yes. Yes, you're right. So it's true. You feeling all right? <laughs> Never better. Why? You look a little strange for a minute. Matter of fact, Ethan, I've been meaning to mention it. I'd like to have you drop around to the office someday soon. What for? Well, you're not as young as you were, you know. And you've been pushing yourself pretty hard lately. Want to make a date now? No, I'll call you. No, don't forget. No. Yeah. Now there's something I wish all my patients were as healthy as. Yeah. Twenty years since I started that old avocado tree in the window. And like Topsy, it just grew. Don't you believe it. Oh, it took a lot of tender, loving care. Water just right, pinching it back, bringing it along to grow up right. Just like the child. I love that old tree. Well, he's in... Man's got to have something to love. <laughs> yeah, I reckon. Oh, you don't think there's anything really wrong with him, do you? No, no, I don't. Just another of her eternal spells. Well, night, old friend. Uh, rain stop. Good night, Jake. time after my old friend drove away, I stood by the door, gazing into the cool, crisp night. I didn't notice the cold. I was too full of a kind of welling excitement inside me. What a gift that clock had brought me. The dreams were building like castles in my head. Why, I was richer and more powerful than a king. Well, now I knew, no matter what, 
that for two blessed hours every day, from now on, I was a free man. And the last thing I heard that night, as my head hit the pillow, was the triumphant beat of the clock sounding in my inner ear. Or was it the sound of my own heart? I don't know, Harriet. Now, I don't mean to alarm you, but uh, I think we'll put your sister Henrietta in the hospital for a few days for observation. But what's the matter with her? Well, that's what I want to put her in the hospital for. Find out. What do you suspect it is? I don't suspect it's anything. I just want to reassure myself. Now, why don't you go up and keep her company while I talk to Ethan? Oh, you won't have any trouble convincing him. I don't see why I can't take well, care of Well, you can't this time, Harriet. If you want to help, go sit with her. I'll make the arrangements with Ethan. How's Henry? I, uh... I want to put her in the hospital for a few days, Ethan. Oh, she's that sick? I'm not sure. Whatever it is, this is not just one of her spells. I want her under observation for a while. Well, whatever you say, Jake. Yeah. I wish I knew what to say. I feel a little guilty. Ever since that night a few weeks ago when we were playing chess. What do you mean, guilty? Well, damn it, for 20 years I've been medicating her imaginary ills. I wonder if maybe I got careless that night. Huh? Well, there's no doubt that from then on, this... This uh, debility, anemia, whatever it is, started. Well, I'll get along and make all the arrangements. I'll phone you when to expect the ambulance. I had my own guilt nagging at me. In the months since I'd discovered the secret of the clock, I'd thought of pretty nearly nothing else. I waited as eager as a child for those two stolen hours every day. Not only for the relief from Harriet's nagging and poor Henrietta's everlasting complaints... But for the lift, the joy, the, the youth and vigor that they brought me. For I'd gone one better than Ponce de Leon. For part of a day, anyway, I had found the fountain of youth. But a wave of shocks was about to jolt me back to reality. The first was Henny's being taken to the hospital. The second was the morning the clock stopped. Oh, no. 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 What is it? Oh, Ethan. You, you can't. You can't stop. What is it, Ethan? What's wrong? The clock. It stopped. Oh, is that all? I've got to get it started. Oh, you shake it like that, it'll end up in pieces. Good riddance. I told you it was a waste of money. Of, get out of here. How dare you talk to me you like get that? Get oh, I certainly will. Nobody's going to talk to me like that, particularly not you. I was frantic. My golden hours of solitude gone. My extra gift of precious time and the rebirth of youth. I couldn't let them go. There must be some way to bring them back. Start that damned intricate mechanism again. Clock was dead. Its lifeblood somehow drained. Blood. But that's what started it in the first place. Maybe... Oh, damnation. I'll let it ring. I've got, I've got to find something to... Oh, all right. Hello? Ethan, it's Jake. Oh, Jake. Look, I don't want to talk now. Oh, then you've heard. Heard what? About Henrietta. Oh, she... She's not... She's not... I... I just got back to my office and got a message from the hospital. I'm, uh... I'm afraid she's passed away. Oh, are you sure? Well, I'm on my way to the hospital now, just on the outside chance. Better meet me there. I'm on my way. We were... We were too late. And he was gone. With no goodbyes, I sat by a nurse's desk, waiting for Jake to complete arrangements and drive me home. 
A young nurse came down the hall with a tray of blood samples, putting them on the desk. She came towards me. Mr. Vigil? Yes, nurse? Dr. Royce asked me to tell you he'll only be a minute or two. Oh, thank you, nurse. As she walked away, my eyes following her blindly, then I was looking at that tray of blood samples. Blood. It was Henny's cutting her finger that started the clock. Would that be the answer? I acted without thinking. In a moment, I had slipped one of the tubes into my pocket. And I was back in my seat before Jake came striding down the hall. I was back in the shop at last, alone. With shaking fingers, I lifted the lid, exposing the brain or whatever it was of the clock. Uncapping the tube, I poured in the blood. I looked at the dial. The hands were spinning around to the proper time. And then the clock was alive again. Its heart was beating. It would have been better, far better, had Ethan left it for dead. As we shall see when we return shortly with Act Three. We knew we had a good thing going, but we're absolutely delighted that you know it, too. I'm High Brown, producer of Radio Mystery Theater, saying thank you. Thank you for those thousands of letters. Our prize drawing is over now, and I wish I could thank each of you personally. But here's the rub. So many of you ask questions about all sorts of things having to do with radio that sifting through the letters will take weeks. So here's a suggestion. If you need a quick reply, do write again, just the question this time, and we'll try to answer right away. Send it to Mystery Theater, Box 5152, Radio City Station, New York, 10019. That's Mystery Theater, Box 5152, Radio City Station, New York, 10019. And again, thanks so very much for your fabulous encouragement. This is WOR New York, your station for the Mystery Theater. Hello, this is Joe Franklin. Ladies and gentlemen and boys and girls, for the very latest in nostalgia, for the ultimate in remembering, please join with me on Saturday nights from 9.05 to 11 o'clock, where memories are truly happening right here over WOR Radio. It is my privilege to present... Radio's original memory lane program, but positively the original. And whether it's Al Jolson or Benny Goodman or Louis Armstrong or Eddie Cantor or Harry James or the Dorseys, Mario Lanza, Gene Krupa, the young Frank Sinatra, George M. Cohan, Bing Crosby, Bogart, Lombard, Cagney, and all those happy times of radio's comedy and drama and soap opera. We have it. We have it fascinatingly. And all the sounds are reproduced crystal clear Saturday nights from 9.05 till 11 over WOR Radio. Yours truly, Joe Franklin, hosting Memory Lane. Tune in. Which of us could resist the temptation of perpetual youth? Or short of that, any extension of life. Two extra hours a day is 730 a year. Almost exactly an extra month. In a lifetime, six whole more years. But what Eason Vigil forgot is that for every action, there is a reaction. For every gift, a recompense. The saddest part of my confession is that after my wife's death... I became completely blind to everything but my two periods of escape every day. More and more, my sister-in-law, Harriet, took over the ordinary part of life, transforming my beloved clock shop into a nightmare against which I preferred to close my eyes. Ethan? Ethan? What, Harriet? Would you mind helping me dress this window, please? Oh, what's the matter with it as it is? If you just get away from that bench of yours for a moment and come here, perhaps I can show you. All right, Harriet. You know how I'm branching out now that I'm the active partner in the store. 
Oh, you old Jim Crack. Well, you might know you'd lag a mile behind the times. This is novelty jewelry, and to sell it, we must display it. Cheap claptrap. Now, first off, I want you to get this cheap, silly rubber plant out of the window. Rubber plant? That's my avocado tree that I grew with my own hands. Well, whatever it is, it takes up the whole window. I want it out of here. No, sir, not my tree. It needs the sunshine it gets. But what use is it? Does everything have to have a function? It's beautiful. It's balm to my soul. That's enough reason for its existence. Besides, it don't cost nothing, so you leave it alone. Oh, very well. But I must have somewhere to display my costume jewelry. Oh, oh, let's move that ugly old hourglass clock somewhere else. Why does it have to be right beside your bench where every customer comes... All right, I'm warning you. You leave that clock where it is. Don't you ever dare lay a hand on it, you hear me? My, aren't we touchy? Well, just let me remind you of something, Ethan. With Henrietta gone, her share goes to me. So I am two-thirds of this store. I can have it any way I want to. Over my dead body. You can do what you want with all your cheap, tinsely stuff, but you keep your hands off that clock. Heaven's sake, all right. Don't you have an appointment with Dr. Royce? Oh, I forgot. I'll get right over to his office. You can put your shirt back on. I'm all finished examining you. Well, what's the verdict? <laughs> I couldn't be more pleased. Oh, you approve of the shape I'm in, huh? Well, before Henrietta died, I don't mind telling you I was plumb worried about you. Oh. Your heart was acting up. You, I didn't like your blood pressure. And there was a lump in your belly I could palpate big as a grapefruit. And now? Now I don't even need the x-rays I took. Know it before I see him. <laughs> it's practically noon. Now, go on. You don't need a doctor. Get out of here. Let me get around to the sick people outside who do. As I went into the outer office, I glanced at the electric clock on the wall. The hands clocked to noon as I did so. And I was looking at a, by now, familiar scene. The nurse who had risen to escort the next patient in was suddenly transfixed. Halfway up from her chair, a child about to scream remained with face contorted, the scream not yet uttered. A thought crossed my mind. It was a month since I had fed the clock that first transfusion. I went into Jake's small lab, opened the refrigerator, I helped myself to a blood sample, and left. Back at the store, the only sound was the beat of my clock. It seemed a little labored to me. But for the moment, I was too furious to see what Harriet had been at since I left. Draped all over my avocado tree were festoons of cheap tin and glass jewelry. And Harriet, the superior smirk on her face, was caught immobile in the act of adding more. I choked back my anger because suddenly, before I could move... The clock beat died. Why, Ethan, how'd you get back so soon? Why, why, what are you doing to the avocado? Well, I, I, since I can't take it out of the window, I thought I'd just use it as a display tree. You can leave that alone. As long as it's there, no one moves at it or touches it, except me. You understand that? You certainly don't have to be so abusive. Get away. Get out of here. Leave me alone. Oh, when you're in a mood like this, I'm glad to. I'm sorry to tell you that your precious clock seems to be out of order again. I hope this time it's broken for good. Good riddance. Poor old tree. But first, some special oil for the magic lamp. Please, God, you'll still run again. And time stood still again. pattern for the next months of my life was set. The part of it in my waking moments was only a necessary bridge between the long hours of infinite relief and accomplishment my clock brought me each noon and midnight. My designs for my perpetual motion mechanism were completed. I had already started to build it. That was my real life. 
Although I found to my dismay that the clock seemed to demand more and more frequent transfusions to stay running. But these were easy to steal from Jake's office in the hours when time stood still. Then once again, events caught up with me. Oh, Jake, just a moment. What are you doing here this time of night? Well, the evening's young. I thought a chess game might get some things off my mind. What were you frowning at in the window when I passed? My plant there. Avocado? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Looks a mite peaked. I can't understand it. It's been wilting and drooping day by day. No reason. Are you any good at diagnosing vegetable life, Jake? Nope. I'm beginning to think I'm not much better with humans. I wish I knew the secret of your spot of youth. Think I'm getting old. <laughs> not yourself, Jake. What's wrong? I don't know. In a way, it goes back to... to Henrietta's death, or seems to... What does? Well, I never said too much about the way she died at the time, Ethan. A congestive heart failure, you said. Oh, well, that's true enough. That's a condition that produces an end to living. But what caused it? Are you asking me? No, I'm asking myself. And I have no answer. Oh, tests were run and the pathological evidence was clear enough. But in spite of massive transfusions, we couldn't stop Henrietta's blood from... from simply disintegrating. Quite literally turn into water. And that's unusual. Abnormal. Never seen a case like it before. In the last three months, I've lost three of my patients to the same sort of... Oh, what shall I say? Same sort of malady. I might have seen it developing, except for a strange thing. What? Well, all of them had been to my office and had had routine blood samples drawn for physical checkup. And uh, the samples didn't warn you? There weren't any samples to examine. Unaccountably, they disappeared from my office. And one other strange coincidence. The night your wife died, a blood sample for a patient in the hospital disappeared. And that patient died later? Yep, about four weeks later. But I don't know why I'm worrying you with all this. It's none of your business. Well, it is. Huh? Oh, you mean as far as Henrietta is concerned? No, no, I, I mean... I mean much more than that. I... Ethan, what is it? I, I didn't mean to upset you like this. I'm not upset. I mean, I, I just want you to understand. Understand what? I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. Well, you're a good friend, Ethan. And I guess I don't feel like any chess tonight. Now, I'll run along. Jake. Yeah? I... I never asked before, but... Do you remember exactly what time Henny died? Oh, about 25 to 12, I think... I didn't have to think. I knew it all now. That was the precise moment that that evil clock first stopped. So it was a monster, insatiable, that once having tasted blood, continued to suck on its victim till it had drained all life away. And I was no better, no less evil. I had been feeding this mechanical vampire at the cost of other human lives. In a daze, unable to explain to him, I saw my old friend Jake out and turned to face what I had to face. The shop was dark as I walked to the clock. My ears were so attuned to it by now that I'd been aware that it had started to labor and needed a fresh transfusion... I was more than a little mad by now, as in the dark I said to it, Die! Damn you, you devil! Die! My moment of triumph was brief. I still had my own expiation to make. Not only for my wife, but for all those others. And there was a personal sadness as my hands in the darkness traced the form of my perpetual motion machine. 
which would never be completed now. A man without love, wife, or children would like to leave a small footprint on the sands, his gauge to immortality. All I would leave now was a sick avocado tree I had nourished for 20 years for nothing. And then suddenly, I heard stealthy footsteps and pulled back into the shadows. I thought you'd gone to bed. What are you doing to the plant? Oh, I see. It's just some food to make... Let me see. It's a weed killer. You've been poisoning my tree. Why, you... Don't you touch me. Get away from it. Get away. Look what you've done. I've cut my hand. It's your fault. But finally you've smashed up this ugly old pot for good. It's dead. Just as dead as your precious avocado tree is going to be. And don't think you can save it. I knew you'd never agree to take it out of the window. So I've been poisoning it for weeks. It's as good as dead right now. And so were you, Harriet. So were you. Her blood had started the damn thing again. But this was to be the last time. What is there left to say? I have to watch another human being die. Slowly, inexorably, unable to arrest the inevitable. And even though it is someone I despise, my guilt is in no way lessened. The only pleasure I can take is that as Harriet sinks... So does that remorseless, evil, damnable machine. And once its heart is skilled, I shall destroy it forever. The one element I have not tried against it is the enemy of the devil. I shall take it, chained to my body, when we go to our grave in the river, to share it for eternity. As I finish this confession to mail to my good friend, Dr. Jacob Royce, I can hear the evil thing labor about to die. It's time for me to write the end. should by any chance come across a clock in a curio shop shaped like an hourglass with a dial that bears the number 13 instead of 12. Shun it like the plague. I'll be back shortly. Hello, mystery fans. This is... A creeping claw. <laughs> yes, this is the claw. And I'm coming your way. I'm coming your way. And I'm gonna get you. <laughs> oh, I'd love to play the lead in one of those mysteries. This is uh, Gene Shepherd Gang. And uh, I'm here to tell you that there's been a great time change here on WOR. And from here on in, I'm going to be heard every night. There's been all kinds of phone calls about it, so here's the answer. Every night at 9.15, Monday through Friday, Gene Shepard, better known as The Creeping Claw. <laughs> Good evening, I'm Patricia McCann. Dora McCann and I hope to have the pleasure of your company this week from 11.15 a.m. to 12, Monday through Friday. And let me tell you what we've got planned. Food prices have gone up again, so tomorrow we'll talk good cheap food and how to make it taste. Then Tuesday, the day we've set aside for our ongoing nutrition series, our guest will be Diane Buckman, and she'll tell you how to use herbs to make everything from your own cosmetics and perfume to a natural tranquilizer. Then on Wednesday, we're going to get tough. Our guest will be Ralph Chow, a lawyer, a consumer, and a complainer, and he wants to tell us all how to get satisfaction from Ma Bell, Con Ed, and the local TV repairman. 
Thursday, Dora McCann interviews a lady who does a lot of ad-libbing in the kitchen, who doesn't think you should be uptight about a lot of the old rules and regulations. Her name is Glenn Andrews. She's author of Impromptu Cooking. And then last but not least, on Friday, you'll hear Muhammad Salam, who'll talk about his Middle Eastern restaurant, the Tripoli restaurant here in New York, one of the best. Have we got a date? Monday through Friday, the McCann program right here on WOR. fascination of time and man's never-ending quest to hoard it, to stretch it, to borrow an extra portion for himself alone. As I sit watching the clock ticking away, I too have that irrational impulse all of us have felt sometime to hold back the hands and bring time itself to stop. And then I remember Ethan Vigil and I decide that once around is enough for all of us. Our cast included John Beale, Grace Matthews, Bryna Rayburn, and Ian Martin. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. Deeply, hopelessly, irrevocably in love. Now, now, my boy, I've been a publisher a long time. I've talked to dozens of authors. They all fall in love with characters they've created. It happens all the time. She didn't exist before you created her, did she? She exists now. Good heavens, man. She came out of your mind. She has no life except the one you gave her. Maybe she did come out of my mind, but now she's got a life of her own. Well, in a manner of speaking, of course she has. And I want to prolong that life, Stephen. I predict great success for Clarissa and for you. You and Clarissa are one, you might say. No. No, we are not one. We must never be one. I want her dead. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams. Mystery Theater was brought to you by ShopRite Supermarkets, where you get a lot more for a little less, and by Suburban Savings, with offices throughout North Jersey. The preceding Mystery Theater program was furnished by the CBS Radio Network. John Wingate here. You have a problem? Money, stocks, medical, or whatever. Then join me, weeknights at 10 p.m., for the Wingate News Digest. News is simpler than you think. It's what affects you, your pocketbook, your job, your pension, all those things. These we cover, plus all hard news. The Wingate News Digest, weeknights at 10. Be sure you join us again tomorrow for the Mystery Theater, right after the Putin Lewis News Commentary, Monday through Friday, here on WOR. The news is next with Bert Wilson, a full 15-minute wrap-up, WOR New York, an RKO General Station. <laughs>